so last week this time last week I was on the green and the green was strewn with people enjoying the sunshine and a drink and uh, just a week later here we are sun's disappeared the rain's pouring down and so what do you do when it's a typical British summer when the weather changes you have four seasons in one day you adapt you adjust to the present circumstances in this case you get an umbrella and you stick it up and that's how you stay dry we're still in Daniel 6 we're in Daniel 6 verse 10 we're just going to focus on this one verse and look at how Daniel adapted in testing and trying times We're in Daniel chapter 6. I'd love you to find that in your Bible, uh, on your phone, however you're accessing that. Just while you're finding it, um, a little recap on, on the, the, the chapter here. We're uh, towards the end of uh, Israel's exile in Babylon. Uh, Daniel is an old man. There's another king on the throne. This time it's Darius, as we heard last week. <clears throat> and um, uh, he's promoted Daniel uh, along with other advisors and civil servants and, and, and they're all jealous of him and so they go to the king with this sort of plot to to uh, to do him down and um, they, they sort of bully the king into issuing this edict that everyone can only pray to the king as God no other gods and they kind of know that that Daniel's going to struggle with that um, be tempted to compromise and then they, they find Daniel he's not compromising at all he's not he's not bowing to idolatry he's going to pray to a king and so they find him praying to God and so they reported to the king and of course forced the king to to be true to his own edict and so Daniel is sentenced to death effectively thrown to the lion's den but as we read and famously we know from this story don't we uh, God through an angel closes the mouth of the lions so they don't eat Daniel and he is rescued and uh, uh, Darius comes to see the the error of his ways worships God uh, the chapter ends with um, the, the book telling us that Daniel prospered in the land and under his reign. But what I want to do is just focus on this one little verse in the, in the middle of that account, chapter 6 and verse 10. Uh, I'll read it, read it with me. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Daniel is living in a time of turbulent change, just as we are. It must have been just as tempting for Daniel to feel incredibly unsettled, just as it's tempting for us to feel the same. Don't forget Daniel in, in all his time in, in a kind of second choice life. He, he, he wants Jerusalem, he wants the temple. And here he is in Babylon surrounded by false gods and surrounded by kings that are forever issuing these strange decrees. Do you remember Nebuchadnezzar, 90 foot gold statue? Now you've got to worship that. 
his Darius being forced into uh, new spiritual rules, no longer statues, the king himself. And Daniel's response would surely have been, oh, how I, how I long to be home, how I wish I was back to normal, to, to, to how, it, how it was. I wish I was in Jerusalem. I could just go to the temple and pray. But he can't. So Daniel adapts. And we're told in verse 10, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. He's miles away. He can't even see Jerusalem. There's no sight of the temple. But that doesn't stop him adapting to the circumstances he finds himself in. And so he prays. Three times a day, he's established a rhythm, just as he'd done before. This is a pattern, this is a habit, this is schooled his character and his trust in God. When you cannot pray as you ought, you ought to pray as you can. Daniel hasn't got the temple. He's got a room. So the least he can do is open the windows that face towards where his heart longs to be and he prays to God. I want to think for just a moment about this idea of Daniel praying facing Jerusalem. Open the windows that face towards Jerusalem, indicating that that Daniel hasn't forgotten where he belongs. Daniel hasn't forgotten home, Jerusalem. He longs for that. That's his first choice scenario set up. This is his second best. Even though he's been promoted, he's doing well. He's, he's about to prosper in the land. But it isn't what he really wants. And I think there's a lesson for us here in this little episode in Daniel, for us right now, because the way things are right now are not what we want with um, the, the restrictions that have come with, with lockdown, with the weariness that comes with too much of our lives being enacted and lived out online and digitally where well, we only get to see people's shoulders and head above. We've forgotten that people have feet. We're longing, we're aching, we're hurting. So was Daniel. See, exile was easing. He, he, he remembers that prophecy in Jeremiah 29. We looked at it a few weeks ago, that after 70 years, God promises, I'll bring you back, I'll bring you back. Well, he, he can count. He knows that those 70 years are nearly up. He's longing to be home again. But while he's in Babylon, things have been looking up. Darius has promoted him. The, the, the experience of being in Babylon in a foreign culture is, is maybe not so bad. He has a bit of power, prestige, authority. And just as life is going well, as exile is easing, God seems to be blessing him, then oh, then this plot 
and the edict. And he's found guilty. He falls short of the edict and Darius has sentenced him to death. He's going to be thrown to the lions. I wonder if you resonate with something of Daniel's experience. For us, lockdown is easing. The government have announced that various places, shops, pubs can open, even church buildings. And we go, ah, oh, we won't be long now before we're back in the building. But not yet. There's the kind of hammer blow as the implications of some of the restrictions as we pay attention to public health and COVID security. There's that frustration that we're not yet able to gather together as one church. We're feeling fed up. We're feeling worn out. Zoomed out. That's a phrase we weren't using three or four months ago. Daniel's ultimate focus is God. Even though he longs for Jerusalem, it's only because Jerusalem is where he believes and Israel held that God lives by his presence in the temple, in the Holy of Holies. Daniel longs for God, for God's presence. And just as he's longing for that, this death sentence, so close to going back from exile, so close to being with God, and now he's destined to be lion food. What sustains Daniel? How is he able to adapt in such a way that when he's in his room, he's found to be giving thanks to God? How is Daniel able to give thanks to God in dire circumstances when the situation has dramatically changed from him, appointed, promoted by Darius, now sentenced to death by the very same king? How, how does Daniel give thanks? Biblical hope. Biblical hope. Hope that trusts in a person who works and acts in our world and in our lives through Jesus Christ by his spirit. Hope, biblical hope, trusts in a person. By contrast, the way in which we often understand hope, we use the word, it's a common word, we use it probably pretty much every day, I bet you use it two or three times a day, in everyday parlance, people around us. Uh, we use it, but not in a biblical sense. We use it to refer to outcomes. We, we say things like, um, oh, I, I really hope it doesn't rain, or I hope that party's great fun, or I hope Fulham win again. I hope we'll be able to get back in the building soon. 
that they're good things, that they're things we all long for. There's nothing wrong with looking forward to something or longing for something, but it's, it's when we secure our hope in things or in outcomes that our hope ultimately will be disappointed because biblical hope ultimately is rooted in and focused on a person, God. Daniel is able to trust in God and secured in him, rooted in him, whatever the circumstances, they, they change all the time, he can adapt. And that's what frees him and releases him to give thanks to God. Even when just a few moments ago he's been promoted as one of the chief administrators and then by that very same king he's been sentenced to death. Biblical hope looks to God, trusts in God, whatever the circumstances, and that it enables us to adapt. Look, look at this in um, Daniel chapter three, it's the corresponding chapter to Daniel six. In Daniel three, we've got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refusing to worship the idol, and so they're threatened with death through the fiery furnace, just like Daniel chapter six refuses to worship uh, king as an idol. And so he's facing the lion's den. But look, look at Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in um, chapter 3 and verse 16. Just turn back with me and look at this for an extraordinary example of biblical hope lived out in these three. So they've, um, you know, they've, they've come before the king who's, who's threatening them with, with, with the fiery furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 16, replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If the God we serve is able to deliver us, then he will deliver us from the blazing furnace and from your majesty's hand. But look at this. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. That's hope in God. If he can deliver us, he will deliver us. But if he doesn't, and he won't, we still won't worship any other God. There's only one God that we worship. They place biblical hope in God, even when the outcome threatens their lives. They'll focus on God. Put your hope in him. Daniel longs to be in Jerusalem. He longs to be in the temple, not for the temple itself, as magnificent a building as it was. He longs to be in the temple because that's where he knows God is. And Daniel is securing his hope in God. That's why he's able to flex and adapt. That's why he can pray in a room in Babylon. He can sing the Lord's song in a strange land because he's not looking to King Darius or to his career or to mates around him. He's not looking to the spiritual culture of the day, which is gold statues one minute and the king the next. No, he's in and through all that, he's able to flex and adapt because he won't flex and he doesn't adapt on the one thing that secures his hope, faith in God trust in God. And so three times a day, day after day, 
he prays to him. Guys, you know, we are in a way more fortunate situation than Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego. Because they, they looked to the temple which was a, a pile of stones on a mount in Jerusalem. But in Christ Jesus, who died and rose again, who walked into the temple and said, I am God's presence. I am the one who brings life. People at the time couldn't see God in their temple because of the temple of God. It had become their distraction, their idol. They, they put their hope in bricks and mortar. And they failed to see Jesus right there. But because of Jesus, those of us who are in Christ and have invited him by his spirit to fill us and live in us, we, we've become the temple of God. We've become the place that hosts God's presence. The writers of the New Testament spell this out time and time again. Let me just flick to a, a few. I'll call out the reference so you can maybe note it down and um, look it up later. This is 1 Corinthians, Paul to Corinthians, the first letter to Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 16. Don't you know, Paul says to the Corinthians, that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells among you? Or to uh, the, the Christians in Ephesus, he says, this is interesting, again, uh, a, a situation, challenge in our times. Um, as Paul writes here to people who were formerly so different, Jew and gentle, racial divide, cultural divide, and yet they've been united in Christ. He says, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Young and old, rich and poor, black and white, being built together as a temple where God lives by his spirit. Peter writes to um, Christians, many of whom were, were, were scattered probably through the, the persecutions of the early church. He says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by human beings, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. We have become the very thing that Daniel longed for. We have God's Holy Spirit living within us. And that leaves us with a challenge today. I, I recognise these have been significantly tough times for for many of us, m many of you. I, I've, I've just been conversing with um, two couples who had planned to have their wedding uh, around this time. One uh, one couple in, in May, uh, another couple he had been holding out because their date was October. 
and can we can't we and uh, well you you can but just 30 and all the sort of things or well, do we really want to wait oh it's done oh we've made all these plans and all these arrangements should we delay should we not tough horrible tough it's been tough for some of you who've, who've, who've had the virus you've been you've been seriously sick seriously ill it's tough for others of you who've been working incredibly hard particularly if you're in the in the the health service and on the front line some of you have been working to exhaustion others of you because of um, the world of work as, as as it is shifting circumstances very quickly it's meant you've had no work uh, future uncertain or you've had unbelievable amounts of work some of you know people who have uh, lost their lives to this virus the pain of a covid funeral in extreme restriction i think of our own bishop actually whose dear mum was 96 she was a member of the church where i did my curacy it's an amazing woman and she died not actually uh, through the virus but she she died 96 years old about uh, a couple of months ago and for, for various circumstances to do with shielding and health and so on, Bishop Graham wasn't able to go to her funeral. He had to track it on Zoom. Uh, it's been tough. It's been tough. And the added challenge is that our kind of, if you like, our sort of church muscle memory is, is that we used to meet in the building and even though it's possible for us to have the building open, for various reasons, it just isn't prudent right now for us to open the building up to the services as we used to have them with the numbers and ages and stages, and all different people at different levels of risk, added to any number of visitors that may well come. It just isn't prudent for us to open the building at this time. Listen, you may want to quiz me on that, ask me uh, and the team what's the thinking behind this. That's why we've set up these Zoom calls um, after the services. So, so grab, get on the Zoom if you, if you want to ask and find out and try and understand more. What, what I want to do is to, to flip this round into an opportunity. Amid the challenge and amid the test, just like Daniel and his friends, they lived in extremely testing times and they put their hope in God. Here's an opportunity for us to, to really dig into our mission statement as a church. We're looking to grow mission-minded disciples, that, that we would grow as, as mission-minded disciples, disciples, people who follow Jesus and look out to others, to, to, to play our part in the increase of the kingdom, to grow mission-minded disciples who live for Jesus wherever they are. As, as wonderful as our building is, as, as amazing uh, a facility as it is for our local community, as, as, as well as us when we worship there, it's not all about the building. We, we don't hope for an outcome being in the building. We practice living for Jesus wherever we are in threes or fours or fives as we can gather together in open spaces as we can finally meet together in our groups triplets buddy systems 
however it is. Did you notice, by the way, how inspiring Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego must have been in chapter three in their statement of hope in God? How inspiring that must have been for Daniel when he faced his own trial. Th those guys, it was a little quad, four of them, and they inspired and strengthened and encouraged each other. Don't go it alone. But wherever you are, practice praying to and living for Jesus so that you can give thanks to God in all circumstances. Otherwise, what will happen is we'll slide into using hope as we tend to in everyday parlance and we'll begin to hope for being back in the building. And then there'll come a day when we're back in the building. And if our ultimate hope was to be back in the building, then what happens when we are? What do we hope for then? And what if being back in the building isn't quite what we'd hoped for? Back in the building to see X or Y or Z, but, but what if X or Y or Z have, have kind of moved on in the interim? Perhaps they've found, got rid of their home and found somewhere else. What if we were going back in the building and, and hoping that they would be there? only to find that they have found someone else to connect with. You see, when we hope in outcomes, they so often disappoint. But when we hope in the Lord, he always fulfills and satisfies. Outcomes, circumstances shift and change. And so they'll dash our hopes. But God in Christ never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is our secure anchor, our firm hope. And when we secure our hope in him, then amid changing circumstances, amid test and trial, we can adapt. Because he's our constant. And it's that that enabled Daniel to give thanks to God, even when he faced death. It's that that enabled Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego to look King Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man in the face, in the eye and say, if God saves us, praise be the Lord. If he doesn't, praise be the Lord, because we're not trusting in our survival as an outcome. And as with them, so with us, who are in New Testament terms, the temple of God, the place where God lives by his spirit. We come to him and know him living in us, empowering us wherever we are, in the building or not, at home with our family or whoever is in our bubble, maybe buddies together, small groups, triplets, living for Jesus wherever we are. Daniel's God our God enables us to adapt so that we can give thanks in all circumstances. Let's pause for a moment. And invite God by his spirit to kind of sift and winnow us to challenge us. Have, have, we, have we placed a bit too much hope 
in an outcome, a circumstance, a deadline or a date. It's God by his spirit calling us to reprioritize our lives, our focus, our trust, our hope in God. Whatever happens, wherever we are. Let's pause. Let's allow God to search our hearts. Let's rededicate our commitment to him and him alone.